We are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades podcast. I am your host, Cam, a.k.a. the Ace of Spades, Thanos, a.k.a. the Dynasty Demigod, a.k.a. the four-time champion, a.k.a. Mr. Okay, I'm reloaded. I'm in the lab, as always, with the Ace of Spades leading scorer. Curtis, aka Kurt Cashy, aka Curdy, two times, aka the ace of spades, Tracy McGrady, aka Danny's big homie. But we also have a special guest on the show today, the reigning one time ESPN. Champion League champ, Chris, a.k.a. Kevin Byard. What's good, bro? Chris, welcome to the show. One time ESPN League. Hey, put some spec on my name. I like the bride. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I mean, you're you're nothing like that, bro. (laughs) But... Nothing much, man. We're happy to have you back on the show. It's been too, too long. You got to come on the show more often, man. Kurt, how are you feeling over there? I need a championship, bro, on the ESPN League, on the Sleeper League, and the Yahoo League, somewhere, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's how I'm feeling. I'd be cool being Mr. One-Time ESPN League champion. You know what I'm saying? I'd be happy with that. Just some, some type of accolade by your name. But, yeah. No, it's good to have you both on the show. Let's dive right into it. Um, we're going to do a week six preview, talk about some dynasty do's and don'ts, and we're going to put another team under the microscope. So this episode shouldn't take too much time. Let's get right into the news and notes. So Noah Fant is out for week six. Hopefully this ankle injury isn't too significant because this is the second week in a row he's missed half of... Uh, week four missed all of week five and now he's missing week six so hopefully he can come back week seven because the owner of Noah fan in our league KB his second tight end is Hayden Hurst and I don't know if you guys have been following Hayden Hurst production or the Falcons offense and Matt Ryan uh, in general all season but Hayden Hurst ain't it any comments on that yeah uh, I have him in a redraft league and somebody dropped Jonu bro so I had to make that switch yeah. Janu. Janu. Janu has been going up, bro. Hey, Elmo's right, bro. Elmo, greatest talent evaluator of all time, bro. Hey, hey, is Elmo the new Ray? Remember Ray said, nah, I need Mahomes. I've been watching him. And Mahomes had only played like one game. Bro, he said, wait, he said that after we got word that this nigga threw like six picks in, uh, in training camp, bro. He was a camp throwing a bunch of picks, and Ray was like, oh, yeah, I need him. He said, he said, he, Mahomes had played one game the season before when Alex Smith was benched. Uh, he wasn't benched, but he was um, resting or something, or he was injured. I can't remember. But Mahomes went out there, and he threw for like 300 yards, but he threw no touchdowns in a pick. That was the only NFL film we had on him. And then, Ray traded like a, a, a RB1 and, you know, 
no, an RB one for Mahomes and uh, Kenyon Drake, and you know that trade ended up working out for him, but bad practice. Anyway, hey, you know what they say: a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a that's a perfect expression to describe somebody like Ray. All right, next news item: Melvin Gordon is out for Week Six. Hey, Chris, why don't you comment on this? What does this mean for Tabron's team, man? Have you seen his running backs recently? <laughs> yeah, uh, he's in trouble. Uh, but honestly, looking at this from just a fantasy standpoint, I got Royce, so I hope they give my boy the ball. <laughs> like, man, he, oh. Royce is a good running back, and I don't like Phil Lindsay because he on the wrong team. So, <laughs> Bro, last time Melvin Gordon was out, or Lindsey was out. No, it was Lindsey. Melvin Gordon hasn't missed this year. Yeah. When Lindsey was out, Royce still doesn't touch the ball. Yeah, they just What's up? yeah. What's up I, they don't that? like the boy. I don't know. I like Royce. Like I said, I've been watching him. He hit the whole. He scored touchdowns more than Lindsey does. Uh, I think they just won't. But Lindsey doesn't even catch the ball as good as Royce. So I'm confused. Like Royce is a third down back sometimes. So it's just weird. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he fits that that zone run scheme very well. But it would be nice to see them trade him away if they don't think he's a good scheme fit. Kurt, any comments about Tabron's team and this Melvin Gordon? Um, you know, it, he, it's an illness, by the way. Um, I didn't mention that, but he's out for week six with an illness. Any comments, what, Kurt? What is his illness? Is it like Jordan's flu game where he really has a hangover? Is that what his illness is? It might be. It's it's. They say it isn't COVID related, so maybe. Uh, a flu-like type of illness. Uh huh. Yeah, that's my that's my comments on that. Uh huh. <laughs> illness, right? <laughs> my comment on this is that Tabron will probably score ninety-two points in this game. He's not going to have <laughs> DJ Shark most likely. He's not going to have Melvin Gordon. Those are his only. Uh, those are his only decent players. So there's that. Deontay Johnson is going to miss Week Six as well with a back injury. Are we expecting an encore from Chase Claypool or what? No. What, what, would, what, what would you give for Chase Claypool's stat line this week? Wait, wait, first, first, wait, before I throw that blind question out there, let's see, let's see what matchup he has because I know Ray put Chase Claypool into his lineup. So let's see who he he's plays playing. The Browns. The Browns. Uh, so he's going to be matched up against uh, safety Carl Joseph. You got actually, yeah, you got to have a decent game. I know Greedy Williams is on IR and Denzel Ward is not going to be fucking covering Claypool. He might actually because Deontay Johnson's not playing. So do you think this gives the Browns defense uh, more of an opportunity to key, uh, key in on uh, Claypool? I would say so, yeah. If, you know, if uh, Deontay Johnson isn't going to play, yeah. Claypool, okay. This is for both of y'all. Claypool under over 80 yards. Under. I'm gonna put them. Over, I'm gonna put them over eighty. Over eighty. Whew, that's a big yeah. game. I'm I'm taking the under. I, I say under eighty. I say four catches, 60, 70 something yards, maybe. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he. I don't think he goes over that. So we'll see. I don't see. think he erupts for like three touchdowns, four touchdowns. But I think I can think he because Ben was it was feeding him the ball. So just think, Chris, just think about this. You know how many wide receivers scored more than ten touchdowns last year? Two. So Chase Claypool had four last week. If we expect him to have, you know, even even one or two, like on a week to week basis, but that, that's just. I don't. I don't see him do. I just see him having a, a decent, like, eighty yards. I can see that. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm just saying, like, from 
a fantasy standpoint, like people get caught up on these, you know, these blowout weeks and they expect these players to, to replicate something even close, you know, to what they did, you know, weeks prior, if they, if they have, you know, a game like Claypool had last week, but it's just once defenses start keying in and, and game planning for you, you, you can be completely taken away. So I, I'm going to say under 80 yards for Claypool this week. Um, next news item, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson out for week six. I don't think this was much of a surprise. Alshon Jeffrey, Chris, uh, what are your thoughts on Alshon, man? I can't remember the last time he's been available for you to play in your lineup. Yeah, he hasn't been available um, a year and a half almost. Um, yeah, he's, it's, that's just, oh, once you get past 30, man, that's what happens. These injuries take longer and longer to heal. You see Julio. The only thing is, though, that whole Eagles receiving core is so depleted. If he comes back, I have to play him because I can see him getting six or seven targets. And he is a touchdown machine. Uh, he got a red zone. They, they do throw him the ball. You must not have heard of Michael Thomas' evil twin, <laughs> Travis Fulgham. Dude, it's Alshon, It's over with for Alshon. He's been replaced. We got Michael Thomas Light now. We don't need him. But, yeah, those those are my thoughts as well. Alshon and Deshaun, Chris, they're both, they're both dust, bro. So I'm looking forward to Rager being back, and he should be able to command a lot of targets in that offense alongside, hopefully, Travis Fulgham. I hope that dude is actually a thing because I just spent – like 80% of the remaining fab budget I had picking that dude up. So we'll see. Dalvin Cook is out for week six. This is sad news for me. I wish I had a violin sound to play. Dude, I got to play against Dalvin Cook's evil twin, Alexander Madison. Dude, against Atlanta. Against Elmo. We don't care, okay? I don't feel <laughs> sorry for you at all. Bro, <laughs> Elmo, Elmo has some good matchups this week. We'll talk about that a bit later, but. Alexander Madison, bro, he could go out there and put up 30 fucking fantasy points easily. And, he's a good player. And Elmo will finish with 178 points, bro, and he's going to lose. So, so. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, that's, hey, that's more hey, that's more than he scored last week. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so we, we have the, the impact of Elmo's team, which is positive due to this Dalvin Cook injury, but let's talk about a team that was negatively impacted by this. So Justin, um, we already talked about Dalvin Cook and money time. You know, every year, for the past four years, Dalvin Cook's been on Justin's team. Justin drafted him as a rookie. Uh, Justin's been in the grand final every season since the season he drafted Dalvin Cook. But Dalvin Cook has only been available for Justin in the grand final one out of those four seasons. What do you think about Dalvin Cook as a dynasty asset? Well, first, man, let me say... I've been saying this for years. I don't know if I've ever talked to Justin about this directly, but this dude has a, a running back who is injury prone, and he just didn't bother to pick up the handcuff, bro. I don't understand that. Why Why does he not have Alexander Madison on his team yet, bro? Why Why hasn't he done that yet? Because he was he was rostering Reggie Bonifant. Who? Man, get the dude who you know will play at least a few games every year because Dalvin Cook is injured every year, man. Like, you might as well pick up uh, Matt Madison. But, um, I mean, bro, honestly, like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. He's, he's, he's so good when he plays, but – He's so good. Man, I would just I would just hate to have a player like that on my team who, like, every year is just something. Like, that That shit would start to irritate me after a while. Yeah. Chris, do you have any he's, comments? Yeah, yeah. He, he's super, super talented, but the, the best ability is availability sometimes, and in his case, that comes to it. Like, you can have him to get you there, but then in the championship game, he's not playing, or you can't count him half the season. That's why it does get annoying. 
Um, especially when Justin Justin's team so light already, he really can't afford any more injuries. Yeah, that's so that's so true. That, when you look at sucks. the, I'm surprised he hasn't went and got Madison. Yeah, I think I think um, Elmo was like he just he hopped he, in the yeah, chat yesterday like and said. Head. Like Elmo hopped in a chat yesterday and said uh, he could have had Justin could have had Alexander Madison for a third and Irv Smith. I probably would have, even though I think that's an overpay. I probably would have done that trade. Yeah, I mean, bro, yes. Like I think from like most other teams in the league, like we wouldn't make you know, no, nah, I'm not sending that for Madison. Right. But as the Dalvin Cook owner, like you kind of have to, yeah, you know, whatever dude is asking you for, if it's not something that's like super unreasonable you you might have to like send that just so you can you know have that uh have that insurance but i don't know you know and honestly like um justin man he doesn't have the same issue that i have bro where like if i tried to trade dalvin cook you know what i'm getting offered a second round pick for dalvin cook right like that's what's gonna happen if like if i say yeah he's on the block like Rio is gonna send me a second, like immediately for for Dalvin Cook. He doesn't have that issue. He could he could bust somebody in for Dalvin Cook. So I don't know why he hasn't done that yet either. I think I think the issue with that is, and we could go so many ways with this with this discussion. But I think part of that issue is not a lot of people have the capital to be able to afford a player like Dalvin Cook. And I think Justin's going to have that issue with breaking down his roster in general because he does have two really valuable assets, but We've talked about the trade that he tried to send me for Christian McCaffrey. It was Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, and a second-round pick. Like, I don't know if this nigga Justin want to fight me, bro, or he thinks he thinks the four championships I won in this league have been luck, but this is not a trade I'm ever going to send for one player. So if I'm not even willing to spend up, and I spend up on all of my trades, if I'm not willing to spend up, who else is going to be able to afford a Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, me, but I don't. I don't want to pay those. I don't want to pay those prices either, bro. I can't afford it. I mean, people who have the capital, but who are actually willing to acquire a player like that, because I don't, I don't think either of us have any interest in Dalvin cook. Like the way that the way that our teams are built up and what we would have to give up for Dalvin cook. Like I can't risk paying a premium for a player like that. And I can't even guarantee he's going to be in my lineup in week 16 when it's money time. If I'm, if I'm playing for the bread, you know who I want in my lineup, Michael Thomas, Zeke, uh, Nuka Hopkins. I want niggas who play 16 games 90% of the time. I mean, you sure you want uh, Mr. Fight Club, uh, Michael Thomas? Man, he yeah. putting the pause on his teammates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's that Chicago drill energy I need on my team. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah, no, I mean, typically, like, dude is like super reliable. So I understand where you're coming from with that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, somebody dropped this stat on Twitter and I, I didn't, I didn't bother confirming, but somebody said this nigga Dalvin cook hasn't played a full season since he was 16. <laughs> That's like his junior year in high school or some shit like that. So anyway, anyway, moving on. Um, Julio Jones expected to play week six. We don't have to spend any time on this. Hopefully Julio comes back and he's in good shape to play and produce in week six and, that should open up things for that Falcons offense who's been like really struggling. Matt Ryan without Julio Jones is he's, he isn't a good quarterback. So let's dive into the first segment of the pod dynasty do's and don'ts. Now the reason for this segment is to just talk about some of the keys to success in dynasty and 
some of the things that could be detrimental to your strategy and dynasty. And this is more so based around the things that we've seen, particularly in our league. So we're going to reference some examples of players doing or not doing some of these things. And I'll start out with the first dynasty do. The first dynasty do, and this is how I built my team, prioritize young running backs and quarterbacks with lifetime value. I built this KOD team. It was a brisk winter day in 2013 when Chris and Rio approached my section at the AT&T retail store and said, Kim, you ever heard of fantasy football? And I said, hmm, I'll give it a try. So I went home and I did a little research. And the first article I saw, they said, draft a running back in the first round. And you know who they said draft in the second round, Kurt? Or running back. So we decided to have our league. And, you know, I started with Le'Veon Bell and Aaron Rodgers. And the rest is history, bro. I mean, <laughs> five grand finals, four chips. I mean, what you want me to do? Now, that story, that story isn't 100% accurate, but you get the gist. We started as a keeper league several years ago and um the first two keepers that i decided to keep on my roster was a quarterback at aaron Rodgers, who was a perennial qb1 to qb2 and he was a staple of my team and still is you know eight years later uh nine years into this season and i had a running back in Le'Veon bell who um i actually did not start with uh, i actually acquired in a draft a couple years later and kept him afterwards he was actually let go by chris's team but i decided to hold on to Le'Veon bell for a few years and uh, i won a couple championships with Le'Veon bell so um since then the core of my team has always been it's always been built around running backs i was winning championships with you know no receivers no elite tight ends just aaron Rodgers and a couple stud running backs the first championship i ever won actually in ace of spades was with matt forte and marshawn lynch my quarterback uh, was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, once Chris dropped Le'Veon Bell, I picked him up and uh, I was able to pair him with Ezekiel Elliott a couple of seasons later because Tabron decided to draft Eli Manning over Zeke. So um, I went on to win a championship. Kurt's first year in the league in 2016 with Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell and Aaron Rodgers. Then lost to Justin in 2017 um and spun back around and drafted Saquon Barkley the rookie running back out of Penn State went on to win a championship two years in a row 2018-2019 with a core of you know Saquon Barkley Ezekiel Elliott Joe Mixon Aaron Jones and my quarterback Aaron Rodgers so so uh we we talked about this a couple of times and you said this and I, I want everybody on the podcast to hear this one more time from you when you like uh when it comes to young running backs their value is all time high when they first come in the league because they don't get the bulk of the work. Unlike receivers, the young receivers value come up over time. Young running backs, same thing. You know, what about quarterbacks? Is it, do they kind of, they kind of more valuable when they come in the league, like uh, Justin Herbert, uh, like they're going to decline over time or like their value? No. So the lifetime of value of quarterbacks, it always decrease. It always, I'm sorry. It always increases over time. Always. It always goes up because we expect, young quarterbacks to struggle coming into the league and once we see a quarterback hit like we saw with 
a couple of Kurtz quarterbacks actually over the past two years. We saw with Kyler Murray, he came in ranked as I want to say maybe a top 15 QB as a, as a rookie, Chris, and he was drafted number one overall, but he still didn't, he still wasn't in the top 12 in a lot of dynasty um, uh, rankings. And this season we see Kyler Murray as, as like the QB three based on his evolution in the offense, Nuke Hopkins being added to the offense, you know? Um, so, so generally speaking, quarterbacks increase in value, especially as their situation gets better. And then we just saw it again with Justin Herbert. So Justin Herbert was ranked as a top 20 QB maybe, and he's already after four games pushed himself up into that QB 13 range in dynasty just based on the fact that we actually got to see him on the field and playing and he's been putting up numbers. So we can, we can see after four games that Justin Herbert is a hit and his, his dynasty value is skyrocketing. And we, we saw with Pat Mahomes as well, even though Pat Mahomes was drafted in the first round, he was around top 20, top 24 dynasty asset. He was playing behind Alex Smith. Then once the path clear for him to be a starter, he goes out there and throws 50 touchdowns in a season. Now he's the number one quarterback in dynasty. So to answer your question, it's very, very difficult to hit on Ricky QBs. And Chris, we know this because we've been watching football long enough to see the Jamarcus Russells and the Vince Youngs who fizzled out and things like that. So it's very difficult to hit on those QBs. So I think that's why dynasty experts and rankers, they're very cautious in their evaluation of rookie QBs early on. So if you were a rookie QB and you're, you're drafting in the first round, you'll get into that top 24 range and rankings, but your value will skyrocket if you hit. And in a super flex league that we play in, that is the most valuable currency you can have. So, and I know I'm taking this pretty far, but just, just think of Kurt's team for a second. And you think of the ascension of Josh Allen and the ascension of Kyler Murray and the ascension of Justin Herbert. He has so much capital wrapped up into those three QBs, Chris, he could take any of those QBs and flip them for a running back in a first round pick. He could flip them for two wide receiver, two elite wide receiver twos or wide receiver one and an RB two. It's the most valuable form of currency in a super flex league. So to answer your question, yeah, the, the value of rookie running backs, usually when they land in a good situation and they have draft capital attached to them, their value is going to start at its peak. Like we see JK Dobbins ranked as a top 12 dynasty RB and he's done jack shit. We see Cam Akers as a top 15 dynasty RB and he hasn't done shit. It's just the fact that he's in his age apex. He's Cam Akers is 21 years old and he plays, you know, um, in an offense where he could potentially win that role. So they, they rank him super high because there's nothing more valuable positionally than a young running back. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I just want everybody to hear it too, though. Kurt, did you have anything to add to that? Uh, but I just want, want you want everybody to keep in mind what you said about my quarterbacks and what I could trade them for. Because <laughs> I'm going to bring that back up. Uh, <clears throat> no, I'm going to bring it back up when we talk about one of our don'ts. Yeah, and I mean, and we've already we've already seen the value of of a quarterback asset. We just saw Gardner Minshew go for a first and second round pick. So, absolutely, a top twelve quarterback in dynasty will go for. You know, I mean, we saw what I just traded to get Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, very, very, very valuable assets to have, and that's what you should be targeting. And for everybody who's in a rebuild, like you know, the Elmos, the Rios. And especially Elmo, because he has so many of those top picks. If Elmo ends up with three picks in the top six, he should be going nothing but quarterbacks and running back. It should it should be two QBs and an RB or two RBs and a QB. 
And it doesn't even matter what he has and what he likes on his roster. Even if he has two good RBs already, draft two more. Even if he has two solid QBs that he likes, draft two more. It's just because that's the most valuable form of currency in Dynasty. Elite running back talent, young elite running back talent, and QB talent. That's it. I, I did want to ask uh, one thing, though. Like, because I know sometimes people hear, like, what we, hear, hear what we say here, and they don't uh, put it in, in the in its proper context. So when you say that the value of a quarterback is going to rise, right? You don't mean like, you mean good ones. Ones that like go out there and actually can perform. Not like, you know, Daniel Jones, like he might've, he might've hit his peak <laughs> possibly, you know, or uh, uh, who else? Like Sam Darnold or it's, I mean, you know. Right. The, the value, and this is, this is actually a good, a good, Topic to bring up, Kurt, and I appreciate it. The value of any player is only going to increase if they show that they've hit. So if they've shown production or shown talent or their situation gets better. Like we saw with Kyler Murray, his value instantly went up when they added DeAndre Hopkins. And he showed promise and talent his rookie season. And he was a second-year quarterback in that same offense. So he had the continuity and increase in talent added to his team. And he was projected to develop in an offense going into his second season. So yeah, Kyler Murray already had the pedigree and draft capital attached to him. So a good quarterback on the opposite end of the spectrum to compare to Kyler Murray would be Baker Mayfield, right? Kyler Murray drafted number one overall, right? Baker Mayfield drafted number one overall. Difference is Baker Mayfield had an absolutely horrible season where he regressed. Kyler Murray is progressing in his offense. So the only one of those QBs value is going to increase. It's going to be Kyler Murray's Baker Mayfield's value may not decrease, but it isn't going to increase either. So you have to take those things into account when you're evaluating a prospect or positioning a trade to someone that, you know, you have to see a path to the production because all we're trying to do is predict the future. You know what I'm saying? So I can say as a Patrick Mahomes owner, there's nothing anybody can really give me for Patrick Mahomes. You know why he he's under contract for 10 fucking years. He's not going anywhere. With Baker Mayfield, I don't know if Baker Mayfield is going to be a Cleveland Brown in two years. He hasn't shown that he's a franchise quarterback. You know what I mean? Now, if I'm comparing that to a Kyler Murray, I can see what Kyler Murray is producing from a statistical standpoint. It's safe to say he's going to be extended by the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen him be good. So, yeah, absolutely. When you're talking about the value of quarterbacks or any player, you have to do your own evaluation, which is why I was confused with Ray based on the way his team is built in his path that he would go out and spend up for Gardner Minshew, a quarterback who doesn't have much long-term value in my opinion. So yeah, that was a good point to bring up. Let's get into the next one. I think this is from Chris. Chris, why don't you kick this one off, bro? All right. So this whole podcast, we got two like the top team. So it's happy. I come on and represent for the, in the middle, the middle ground. And help. <laughs> Up them out because on some, I feel, honestly though switching the dynasty is a lot of shit I had to learn from redrafts and, and keepers a whole different world. So one of the things that uh, helped me out is don't give up on your young players too soon. I'm gonna use BT as an example. I'm sorry BT man, uh, you my guy. Um, but Daryl Henderson, he just dropped him. He drafted him last year and just dropped him. I picked him up, put him on my bench, and now all of a sudden he's he's jockeying for that that starting position with the Rams. Um, but then go other ways. Like I held on to Derrick Henry for so long, like three or four years of Derrick Henry not getting the ball like he's supposed to. 
And all of a sudden, bam, he blew up to be this tank with small legs. So, yeah. (laughs) 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 Bro, he did the same thing with Joe Mixon, too, though. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's. That's an excellent. That's an excellent one. So that would that would be a dynasty. Don't don't give up on young players too soon. Um, we've seen it with like Chris mentioned the Daryl Henderson and you know Damian Harris with Tabron. You know uh, we talked about Tabron earlier missing Melvin Gordon for the week. Damian Harris is going to be the starting between the tackles back for the Patriots this week because Sony Michelle is out. Don't y'all think Tabron could have benefited from having Damian Harris on his team? Yes, he could have for sure. Damn. And he, and he just he just spent up and drafted Damien Harris with the you know a top eight pick. I don't remember exactly which pick it was, but it's that's just a prime example of giving up on a player too soon, and even more so in Tabron's in, in Tabron's situation because he he spent such a high draft pick on Damien Harris. But we saw with with Austin Eckler with Danny's team as well. He dropped him for I want to say he dropped him for Justin Jackson. We see how that turned out, and Ray. Ray drafted DJ Chark in the late round of our startup draft a couple seasons ago. And I teased him about DJ Chark being trash and he dropped him. And then I think it was week 16 after uh, the championship week, right before waivers closed, I picked DJ Chark up and he ended up having a breakout season last year. So especially when you spend up and, you know, actually draft a player, you don't want to drop them in dynasty before they've had an opportunity to get an opportunity and play and produce on a team. Um, a final example of this is Chris Chris briefly mentioned Joe Mixon. You know, Rio drafted Joe Mixon in the first round of one of our keeper drafts a couple seasons ago, and he traded Joe Mixon away. It wasn't a bad trade. It was for Jarvis Landry, who at the time was playing in Miami, and, you know, he was getting 160 uh, target targets a year. So he was a high-end uh, wide receiver too. And Marshawn Lynch, who had come back for a season with, um, was it the Raiders, I believe, Kurt? Do y'all remember that? Was it the Raiders? It was the Raiders, yeah. So he traded Joe Mixon when he was struggling as a rookie for, you know, a RB2 on a high-end wide receiver two, which is not a bad trade from a tactical standpoint, but it's a dynasty league. And I've since won three championships with Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon has been, you know, a RB1. And he's still a RB1 in dynasty. So is this a matter of, you know, what your strategy is, but I would say consensus from us and Kurt, you can add to this before we move off this point is I, I don't recommend dropping any player that you draft uh, before, before their third year, unless you just know they're an absolute bust. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's just, you know, um, I don't understand how people can, can invest like uh draft capital into somebody and then just, just throw that shit away. Like, you, you don't yeah. get anything in return for it, like pretty much. I mean, I, I don't. That's not the example for like Rio because he actually got players in return. But like BT and and um, what's the other one? Tay Bryan. They just drafted players and then dropped them the same year. It's like you don't want anything in exchange for you know for your pick, like because I, I want to say like everybody spent fab to get him. You could at least like trade him for fab. If like, so I would want something in return. You know what I mean? It wouldn't just be like, uh, yeah, I spent the first on him, but whatever. He sucks. Like that's, that's just not a good strategy. If I draft a player at six overall or seven overall or five overall, wherever Tabron drafted Damian Harris and uh, Tabron also has like 10 empty bench spots 
on his roster, by the way. But Kirk, Chris, I'm not dropping Damian Harris until the Patriots drop that nigga. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm dead ass. I'm dead ass. I'm not dropping this nigga until he's dropped by his NFL team and then nobody else wants him. Then I'll say, okay, I'll give up. It took Darius Geis being a fucking rapist for me to drop this nigga. I wasn't going to drop him unless he was a fucking sicko, which he is. But a talent like that who's drafted with high draft capital in the NFL draft and in rookie drafts, you just keep that player around on your roster if you can on the practice squad, which what is it called in our league? A taxi squad. Or you keep them on you keep them on your bench. And for a team like Tabron, what the fuck you need to drop them for? You ain't got shit else on your team. And you sending <laughs> you you sending fourth round picks for Daryl for Daryl Williams, and that nigga just got replaced by by first he got replaced by Darwin Thompson. Now he just got replaced by Le'Veon Bell. So you you hustling backwards. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into the third do or don't. Kurt, why don't you tee this one off? Yeah, man. So my my don't uh would be don't trade away all your future picks or even your, you know, and if you're a team that's in a rebuild, don't trade away your your top pick. Uh but you know, we saw a couple of GMs do that uh in an attempt to go all in this year, like traded away like a lot of picks with the uh, KB and Justin. And it's just not a good strategy because you know, you're, you're trading away picks in exchange for like players. Some of these players are older and then you don't have a plan like on how to acquire young talent in the future. So I think, you know, I, I'm not totally against trading picks like altogether. I don't think that's like bad strategy necessarily. I just think it's a it's bad strategy to trade away all of your picks, like to the point where when we do our draft, you're just sitting there watching like everybody like draft players until the fifth round. Like that's just that's just terrible strategy to me. Chris, you can speak on this. I drafted C D Lamb with the pick that you gave away. What are your comments before I take it? C D Lamb is both of ours. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, last year I traded um Odell and my first and got Le'Veon Bell, Hunter Henry, and uh and Galladay, which to me, honestly, I needed a tight end. Galladay is a stud and Bell I was happy with it, but and then I traded my second for Carson Wentz, and which ended up helping me out because we ended up switching to a super flex. But watching the draft and watching everybody draft players that I needed on my team, yeah, that hurts. And I don't see how anybody with like a super old team who go all in and then trade their top three, top two picks the next two years. Like I don't think you can bounce back. Like like you said with Justin team, a lot of people don't have enough capital to give him for one of those star running backs like that he wants. Because he's not going to take, if I say, hey, I'm going to give you this player and two picks, he's going to say, no, that's stupid. I want this, this, and this, and I can't afford that. So, yeah, you want to keep your picks, man. Like, unless you can get – unless you're all in and you know you can win, you can do it. Bro, bro even, even, even myself, you know, having, having the team that I have, I couldn't imagine building my strategy that way because – Bro, running backs, running backs die young, bro. So, and I, I want to touch on Chris's team before we talk about Justin's. But Chris, I think the, you know we can plug the trade that you and I made last year, and it's still very even from a value perspective. And when you take into account your roster building, your team needs, you got the better wide receiver out of the deal. 
at least for present value, as Kenny Galladay has outproduced Odell Beckham. You got a much-needed tight end. Your second tight end being Jack Doyle. You absolutely need it onto Henry. And Le'Veon Bell, he's just – he's he's whatever. At this point, he's a RB3. He was a throw-in. Throw yeah. So so that trade wasn't, wasn't as egregious as some of the other ones we've seen with trading away uh, a first-round pick when your team is either reloading or rebuilding. I think a, a more dangerous trade was the one Rio made, trading away his first-round pick, but he rebounded from that in the trade that I gifted him a few days ago. But let's dive into Justin's team again. And uh, I'm going to give Justin shit because, you know, we dropped the the first GM under the microscope episode the other day. And, you know, Justin's been ghost in the chat, but I know he listens to these podcasts. So I'm going to double down and I'm going to talk about him again since he's going to act like a little bitch. So Justin's team currently has Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Deshaun Watson. Those are the most valuable assets on his team. Julio Jones, 32, he's dust. Zach Ertz, he's fucking dust. His second quarterback is Drew Locke. That's it. He has Juju Smith-Schuster, and who knows what Juju Smith-Schuster is going to end up next season, but as it stands right now, he's not getting targets. On the targets that he is getting, there's no A dot attached to it, so they're very short, shallow targets. And then you have other young receivers on that team emerging, like Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, etc. So what is Justin going to do with his team? You got to rebuild through the draft, right? 2021. The first pick Justin has in 2021 is a third round pick. Second, he has a 2021 fifth round pick. You're not getting anything in that range. 2022, his first pick in 2022 is a fourth round pick. 2023, his first pick in 2023 is a third round pick. How the fuck is Justin going to build a contending team based on the draft capital he has right now and based on the talent he has on his roster? This is what Kurt means when he says don't trade all of your first round picks because Kurt, I think we would be having a different conversation about Justin's team. Had he just traded his 2021 and maybe his 2022, maybe if he still had all of his picks in 2023, we could make the argument that, you know what? Justin does have cook and McCaffrey and Deshaun Watson. He is in a two year window to compete. So trading away, draft picks for the next two seasons while risky i can still see a path for justin to be okay without having draft picks for the next two seasons because the dynasty seasons they come like that back to back to back to back so two years pass before you know it and then you're looking at you know having your first round pick in 2023 which should be a really good pick if that was your strategy because you're expecting your team to fall off a cliff after them two years without being able to add any additional talent to your team so you're thinking okay in 2023, my RBs may be on a decline, but I'll flip them for, you know, late first round picks or whatever. I'll still have my quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So now I'm going to have a top three pick. I can take the best quarterback in that draft and the best running back in my draft. And then I can go into my rebuild after I've competed for this year, next year, and maybe the year after that. The problem with Justin's team is, and Kurt, you've touched on this in previous podcasts, he mortgaged all of his draft picks away for the next three seasons. So all three. And Kurt, he did that to be the third best team in the league from a talent perspective. So you mortgage away your draft picks, all of them first, second and third round pick for one season away to build a team that may or may not be better than Danny's. Then you run the risk of, okay, Christian McCaffrey out high ankle sprain, Dalvin cook injured every year in some capacity. Now I don't have a second QB and drew lock. So Justin is currently sitting in fourth place 
what if these injuries catch up to him, bro? What if he continues to slide down? Is Justin going to be a fifth or sixth place team over the next two seasons? And then what? He doesn't have a draft pick in 2023. What is he going to do? What is he going to do with this team? And well, and then last last part, like I said earlier, running backs die young. What if what if Dalvin Cook's injuries start catching up to him? And Dalvin Cook's one of the best, if not the best, pure running back in the league. What if RB injuries catch up to Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook over the next couple seasons? And we don't wish injury on anybody, obviously, but we saw what happened with Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was easily the best back in fantasy two and a half years in a row. It wasn't even fucking close. If you had Gurley, you were competing for a title, period. What happens if Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey just slow down? I just don't like the strategy, bro. And that's why I'm always weary about trading away all of my future first round picks. We saw myself load up and still end up with three first round picks, four first round picks. And I traded those away, but I still notice I still kept that most valuable one because you, you, you have to reload some type of way, Kurt. You have to, you have to add something. You can't go into, you can't be a true contender and you can't add nothing because what happened this year, OBJ still having a, you know, mediocre season because he started to Baker Mayfield. Joe Mixon still running against stat boxes because Joe Burrow is developing. You know, uh, Saquon Barkley goes out with an injury. You have to have some type of currency to flip if you are going to be a contender because things happen. Christian McCaffrey got hurt. How could Justin pivot? He didn't have any picks. What did Justin do when Christian McCaffrey got hurt? That he couldn't he couldn't do anything. He got luck. He lucked out because he picked up Mike Davis. But he, it's a dynasty that we have 36 roster spots. He should have been able to pick up Mike Davis. But Kurt, what what ammunition or what moves did Justin have when Christian McCaffrey went down or when Dalvin Cook goes down with an injury or when Drew Locke goes down with an injury? You got to play Flacco off waivers. He got lucky because Darnold got hurt. You don't have any moves when you trade away your future draft capital. It's a dangerous strategy. So I agree 100%. Yep. Yeah, I mean, maybe we can get into KBs, but, you know, that's a, another story for another day, and it's, I mean, kind of in the same vein there. Like, you just trade away a bunch of your draft picks, and then you can't you, – you have no no opportunity to, like, load up again when, when you need to, and then, you know, you see things are not really panning out for KB's team either. So he's like Justin, but Justin Light, because his team is maybe or maybe not a top-six team after after him trading away all of his draft picks. I still don't know what he was thinking with that AJ Green trade, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what he did with that one, man. That was a that was a head scratcher. He didn't get that first from uh, from Rio, so I mean that's his only saving grace. The the first round pick is the boon that he needed to make that trade make some type of sense because that pick is probably going to be a top five pick but kb is just one of those teams that's just kind of funny man because he's the only gm in the league that i've seen over the, over the course of um you know our time in ace of spades who's gone through like a reload a rebuild and like uh like load up for for a contending season like you remember that year a couple of seasons ago where he had like 10 picks in the first like two rounds yeah and he and he hit on one of them. <laughs> he, no, I'm just, I'm just joking. He, he picked some good players actually, but it just was kind of funny because he did have a lot of draft picks, and 
I think the only noteworthy players that he picked up would be like who Bosa, Noah Fant, and Debo, who he just traded away for AJ Green. I drafted Debo and he traded for him. Oh, okay. I drafted uh, Debo. He picked up he picked up Hunter Infro. But let me say this. Let me say this quickly. If I just mortgaged away my whole roster to rebuild, I ain't drafting no white nigga with a receding hairline that look like an accountant <laughs> to save. Hey, I ain't drafting Hunter Renfro to save my team, dog. <laughs> nigga, look. You ain't talking about, you ain't talking about uh, Las Vegas Caruso? You gonna... <laughs> bro, hey, that's, that's... Hey, Hunter Renfro is the, the Vegas Raiders Caruso, bro. Hey, if, I'm re- if, if the bread on the line couldn't, I just traded away all my assets for picks, I ain't spending one on Hunter. Yeah, that's what we Yeah, no. Nah. You know, I mean, then in that draft, I mean, look at me, bro. I had two picks Marquise Brown, Kyler Murray, bro. I shit on him. I mean, I only had two picks, 10 tries, bro. I had two of them, man. And Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown, I mean, look like a W to me. Hit rate. See me? Dude, I had two picks. My hit rate was zero. David Montgomery. <laughs> Niggas ass, Debo Samuel. Niggas ass, dude. And you know what I did? I washed my hands in them niggas. I traded them away. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's 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 a good one. So don't trade away all of your future picks, man. It's it's not a seasonal league. And I thought this was an interesting comment from Justin. And Justin's somebody that, like I said, man, it's all love with me and my nigga Heavy Low, bro. And I give him a lot of shit on this podcast, but. He made a comment that even I was surprised by. He said, I have to start looking at this from, you know, more of a dynasty perspective. I'm like, damn, nigga, like, what have you been doing for the past, like, four years? Like, what have you been yeah. doing? It's not, bro. I, I Like, I'm, I'm going to put it to you like this, Kurt. Chris, I'm going to just tell y'all, nigga, straight up. My team is cheesy, dude. Like, you well, don't we need know. to, bro. <laughs> but this... This, I, I like, this nigga Justin be trying so hard to, like, build the mold. You just can't, like, Kurt, honest to God's truth, I will never even be able to build another team like that again. It's just, it's, there's so much luck associated with that. Like, you can have good practice, but the outcome, you never, you can't predict the outcome. So him trying to mortgage away future draft picks to get, like, certain players to make it look like a KOD, bro, Half the reason I have KOD was because I got lucky. Like you just never, you're never gonna know where players are gonna fall in the draft. You're never gonna know if the players that you're mortgaging your picks for are actually going to produce or continue to produce. I just happened to get lucky, bro. Pants, you know, trading Kareem Hunt for Michael Thomas, and then Kareem Hunt ends up kicking a white girl. So that trade looks like a robbery. I bought DeAndre Hopkins when he had Brock Osweiler as a QB that was supposed to be the QB there for the next three years. They end up canning him and drafting Deshaun Watson. I got lucky there. Tabron decides to draft a 37-year-old quarterback over Ezekiel Elliott. I got lucky there. Like you, you can't, you can't force. My point is, Kurt, you can't force um, um, yourself into a strategy of 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 trying to build a super team, bro. You you have to kind of chip away, kind of like what you did with your team. Oh, with with strategic patience, I'll say, having good practice hitting on all elements of dynasty waiver wire draft and trade and then seeing how your team shakes out you you can't cheat the process i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah i, I would agree with that i would agree with that it, it is i mean um 
Yeah, it's it's. I understand, you know what I mean, because uh, like I think everybody in the league wants to win, or at least that's the impression that I was always under, is that we all play to try to win. So I I, I can see how it would be tempting to try to like load up to to beat you, uh, but I think you also have to be like realistic, you know. And I know based on like my team, right? There's really nothing that I can do to like in terms of like trades that will put me in a position where I would be like, okay, now my team is hands down better than Cam's. Cause like the players that I would need to, to, to acquire to like have a good team, I would need to add them to my team pretty much like in order to compete, not like I don't have enough to where I can just give up a little bit like, uh, or players that don't mean very much to me and then get like McCaffrey or something, you know what I mean? And that's kind of what it would take. So, oh no, you know, like, I mean, some of the acquisitions that people made, like, you know, like uh, getting Lamar Jackson, it's like, hmm, I mean, that's, that, that's cool, but it's not going to win you the chip, you know what I mean? So it's like, I think, especially if I had a team that was, like, real bad, I would just be trying to, like, do what Elmo's doing. I think he's the one that's, like, kind of doing it the right way. I mean, I don't agree with every move that he's made, but, like, I think he's trying to bank on hitting on something in the draft. And I think that's probably, like, the best strategy that you can have because you can't – there's no quick fix for this shit. Like, where people are – are behind, you know, and it's, it's no, it's no way to like, Oh, I can make a few trades and trade all of my picks away. And then, you know, <clears throat> now my team is, is, is KOD. Like, that's just, that's yeah, not how that shit works. Yeah. They, they tried to, to microwave their teams into the stratosphere of a nigga who built his in a crock pot, bro. Mm. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just not good. It's just not good process. Like, the team, the team that I, the, the team that I have that's contending and was built like literally, Kurt. It, it's been built. This is your fifth year in the league, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yep. I, I've been building. I've been building my team for five years. You're not gonna build a better team than me in one season. Yeah, bro. You're just not, and I, you're just not gonna do it. And we we talked. We probably touched on this in another podcast too. But I kind of think people being able to see their 2023 picks was like not necessarily yep. a good thing because they were just eager as shit to trade all of those picks away. I'm like, man, what are you doing? It's 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 so it's so tempting though because I fell victim to this as well. But you know and I consider myself pretty savvy, but I wanted this little Zach Moss nigga off Rio and I'm looking at that 2023 pick and I'm like man I don't need this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm like, knowing damn well I would never spend up a first for Zach Moss, but I'm like, 2023? I probably got all Tabron picks in 2023 by then. Let me go ahead and trade this shit away. So it, I understand it's tempting and everybody wants like the the get the get rich quick model, but it's it's just bad practice. And when you're a team that, you know, is a couple moves away from being in like a full rebuild, which I don't think I don't think Justin is, but I think we could we could have an uh, an argument or a discussion about KB being like very close. To, to a complete team wipe it's just not it's just not good practice to to trade away all of your future assets so i thought that was a really really good dynasty don't do not um next one this is for me don't fuck up the trade market or trade relationships by sending bullshit trade offers bro and i don't even need to spend Kurt, a lot of time trade. on this bro. Trade, Kurt. <laughs> Hey, yeah, Kurt, you, you, you can hop in, bro, and speak to this because I think this is something that'll resonate with everybody. 
Well, I, okay, so I did want to say that it did. So remember, I said to keep in mind what you said about the quarterback situation before, right? Like what what I what I could expect in return for like a Kyler Murray or you know something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So I just wanted this my 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 guy, my my man Ray sent me a trade where I would get your two first, so Cam's two first from 2021 and 2022. Then he added in, I want to say, Kenyon Drake and Ryan Tannehill, and he thought in exchange for those players that he was going to get Kyler Murray and Alvin Kamara. Like, so, (laughs) I mean, you know, that's just ridiculous. But um, we were were laughing about a three-way trade that was sent uh, <laughs> in the offseason by Ray. And, man, I can't even pull it up right now, but <clears throat> I remember it off the top of my head. So the trade was Ray would be sending away DeAndre Swift in two first-round picks. Cam would be sending away Ezekiel Elliott and <laughs> Saquon Barkley. I would be sending away Kamara, and in exchange, I would, I would receive Ezekiel Elliott and Kenyon Drake. Um. Cam was gonna get DeAndre Swift and two and two first, <laughs> and then Ray was gonna get Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. That was the trade that he offered. Hey, this is a this is this is a prime fucking example of somebody being blacklisted in the trade market for sending some stupid ass shit. So he wanted me to give up my two best players. He wanted me to give up Saquon and Zeke. And in the three-way trade, I was going to get DeAndre Swift, Adrian Peterson's backup, and two late firsts. Kurt, mind you, the picks was mine, nigga. They was my late-ass first. So I was giving up Saquon and Zeke to get DeAndre Swift and two firsts. Kurt was giving up Kamara to get Zeke and Kenyon Drake. And Ray was going to come out of the deal with Saquon and Kamara? Why the fuck would I do a deal where I'm giving up Zeke and Saquon for Ray to leave with Saquon and Kamara? Why, even, even if I were getting a better deal, like a better player than DeAndre Swift, why would I send Saquon and Zeke so Ray could end up with Saquon and Kamara in a league where I'm competing with Ray? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, Zeke and Kamara, like, you know, I, okay, like, all right. You know, I, that trade wouldn't have been like horrible for me, but what the hell does he think? We think he, I'm, I'm getting to let you get uh, Saquon and Kamara, and all you have to send away is uh, DeAndre Swift, two first, and King and Drake. <laughs> like, what? What? And then, <laughs> like, what? And then the nigga hopped in the chat and said, Kurt, check that trade. I'm trying to hook you up. You're trying to hook yourself up, right? Right thing, niggas. Niggas really be looking at, at at teams like they be searching for trades and they say, hmm, let me think. I can give up Swift and I'm going to get Saquon and Kamara. On what planet, nigga? <laughs> On what fucking planet? Hey, this And this is another one. And Chris, I'm going to let you talk about some trades because I know you've gotten some funny trades that you had to reject or decline over the season. This nigga Rio, while we were talking about this Chubb trade, mind you, I just sent Rio a top five pick, a future third, and a rookie running back for Nick Chubb. That was my original offer. 
And usually, Chris, you know what my offers like. A lot of them are like pretty much final. Like there's like a little room to counter in there, but a lot of times, like I send solid offers. If you don't want it, like I'm cool. This nigga, real, we're going back and forth with like incremental counters. We counted like six times, and they were they were fine counters. Like he wanted me to throw in Gerald Everett, and I was like, well, if you throw in, if I throw in Gerald Everett, a tight end prospect that I believe in, you got to throw in Gabriel Davis. Kurt, we both been keeping our eye on Gabriel Davis. You, like we know he got some he got some talent in that Bills offense. So if he's gonna take one of my young prospects, you got to send me one in return. So we're, we're we're doing like little counters like that, and it, we we have good trade talks like me and Rio always because he's somebody who like. He doesn't always make like smash, like brilliant trades, but he puts a lot of thought into it. This nigga somehow in the process of us going back and forth, this nigga Rio, mind you, I'm looking for Chubb, right? This nigga counters by sending Chubb for the first that I was sending him, the the top five first, and Joe Mixon. Bro, uh, Kurt, Chris, Mixon is better than Chubb. <laughs> Why would I do that trade? And I had to, I had to hit Rio up. I had to say, "Yo, Unc, what the fuck is your ass doing?" Hey, hey. Rio is funny because he likes trading you his players and then trading you back for him. Like, so now you want Mixon back? Like, you could have just kept him. <laughs> now you want, hey, I know you like Zach Moss because oh. you drafted him, nigga. Like, <laughs> bro. Uh, bro, when he sent me that counter Mixon in a first, I was like, so wait, you want the first and then you want me to send you a better running back than the one I'm looking to acquire from your team? <laughs> Yes. Um, why would I? Yes, yes. Why the fuck would I do that? Like, what? That just made my head fucking hurt, bro. Why would I do that fucking trade? Anyway, Chris, I know you had a couple trades that you've gotten you gotten from KB and Justin. <laughs> I know, I, I know, he tried to send you Marlon Mack for Teddy Bridgewater, and <laughs> hey, that's my favorite trade, bro. <laughs> That would have been so fire for Justin, bro. That would have been so fire. Oh man! And wait, what was it after Mac was injured? Please say yes. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, it, wasn't. It, wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Hey, but uh, Justin, I feel bad. I just like, man, I really wish you had picks. Like, I just wish you had draft picks, bro. Um, yeah. I, I feel like people in our league. It's scary because Ray honestly thought about that trade with y'all. I was like, you know what? They're going to accept this. So that's kind of scary. We should kind of <laughs> keep an eye on him. But people in our league, that's why they just trade just to trade. Like, they trade to try like Cam. He made a team in a crockpot. They tried to microwave their team and get their ASAP. And some of them trade just be dumb as hell. And then sometimes people should trade for players. They don't, they don't do it. Like, I was trying to trade somebody in our league for a player that he drafted because he should have drafted a quarterback and he didn't. And I was sending him a quarterback and the second, which was overpaying for this player by a lot. And he still denied it. And then come down later in the season, he needs a quarterback still and he has to make a trade. Like, so it's people in our league sometimes are kind of, they're fool gazy, man. Like, they're hit and miss, but these trades, they're funny as hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, man. Yeah, I know the trade you're talking about with the, with the, the quarterback and the second round pick and for the, the player that you were looking to acquire, that, that was definitely a, a really good offer. So um, it's, it's, and this kind of we can transition uh from my point to your dynasty don't chris you're the last one that we're going to talk about here when we're talking about you know 
the GM that you're speaking of turning down Teddy Bridgewater in a second round pick for a, a rookie wide receiver, because I'm, I'm familiar with the trade. Don't look at your players through rose colored lenses. Um, that, that I think that's a perfect example and a good segue uh, into, into this point, Chris. I, uh, I don't know if you had anything else to add before, before Kurt yeah. commented. So I'm human. I make mistakes. And um, I'm a prime example of this. A couple years ago, I was young back then. I didn't have this much faith for her. I kept Adrian <laughs> Peterson over Le'Veon Bell in the keeper league, you know. And, and AP was, he came up to injury. And I didn't know any better. I was dumb and young back then. I was chasing skirts and chasing points. And I kept AP. <laughs> so it is, it's one of those things brought to me. I was like, I like AP better. I mean, you know, he's better than Lady. He's going to do his thing. He's going to play forever, which he still is playing forever, though. Um, but, yeah, you got to look at him realistic, man. Like, you can't think that your players are better than they really are. Or this what-if thing. Like, you're like, but if such and such get hurt, he's going to come out. Like, you can't think like that. And a lot of us do it sometimes. But in Dynasty to be successful, you have to not do that. You got to just stand back and look at it like it's someone else's team. Kurt? Yeah, man, I think we saw some examples of uh, people looking at their players through those uh, rose-tinted rose, uh, lenses um, over the over the offseason when they just refused to trade them, even though people were making, sending them good offers for them. And I, you know, bet that if they had a time machine, they would go back and make those trades. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of falls victim to it a little bit. Like, you know, like uh, I know for me, like a lot of the players I have on my team, I like them. That's why they're on my team. So uh, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to fall into that, you know, but uh, yeah, you just have to be be realistic when it comes to, like, players. And, you know, like, if you find yourself in a scenario where you're like, well, if this and this goes right, then, you know, they're going to be this. Like, you, that's not – you can't look at your players like that. Like, I can't look at look at Amari Cooper and say, well, if he played with Aaron Rodgers and he was, you know, there and he was getting targeted 12 times a game, then he would get – 1700 yards like it's it's ridiculous you know what I mean? like that's just it's just not realistic hey hey kurt a prime example is i was i was talking to cam during the off season with facetime and i was like yeah you know jordan howard gonna be the lead back in miami and this and this go right and cam faces is like oh, oh yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he'd have him and be like shut your dumb ass up. <laughs> so you just gotta you just you can't do that man you gotta just Look at them and, and just see like you can't do the what if game because you're gonna fail every time you do that. Yeah, I think um, I, I gotta be one. I gotta be one of the best at this, bro. Because I don't care who the player is, bro. When that situation get a little funny, you can have that nigga, bro. Like, hey, when Le'Veon Bell went to the Jets, I was like, yeah, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> Levy Le'Veon Bell's been my best player for the past two years, and I don't. I don't care. Like, he he can go like for the right offer. And baby James White, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like, I'm not naive. I understand that whether or not Le'Veon Bell has a lot left in the tank or not, he's going to eat into Clyde Edwards Hilaire's workload. So you're not going to see me sitting here thinking that, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire still has the potential to be a top five back for the rest of the season. You just have to have a realistic outlook on your players and evaluate them as such. And we could tie this back into um, the previous dynasty uh, don't. 
when you're fucking up the trade market, bro. This is just a, a tip to everyone who wants to get more of their trades accepted. Because I'll be honest, if we're going through and looking through my transactions, most of the trades that I've sent out have been accepted. Most of the trades that I've offered, the deal has gotten done. And a lot of the trades that didn't get accepted, people like Kurt went back and regretted not accepting those trades. So when you make a trade, don't look like that, bro. No, I don't, you, you don't try to blast me like that, bro. No, no, no. You won't blast. So my, my, my point is when you're making a trade, this is a dynasty do. When you're trying to make a trade, look at a trade that could be mutually, why did I say that word like that? Mutually beneficial to both GMs. Look at the part, look at your trade partner's team and say, what does this dude need? Chris, you actually brought this up inadvertently when you were talking about the GM that you were willing to trade a quarterback and a second round pick for their rookie receiver. You looked at their team and saw like, this dude really needs a quarterback. Let me send him this quarterback plus to get the player that I want to get. That's an example of having good process behind a trade pitch. Don't pull a Ray like Ray does so often. And this is why and we'll put Ray's team under a microscope here in a bit. This is why Ray has such a low conversion rate on his trades. Because all Ray is looking to do all season is turn his shittiest running back into one of the best running backs in fantasy. That's all he wants to do. Take one of his worst players and turn him into something greater. That's called bad practice. It's bad process. You're never going to get those trades off with savvy GMs. You're not going to take Kenyon Drake at a first and turn him into Ezekiel Elliott. You're not going to take Kenyon Drake in a first and turn him into Saquon Barkley. You're not going to take Kenyon Drake in three first and turn him into Saquon Barkley. You have to think more strategically and look at my team or whoever's team that you're looking to position to trade with and say, what does this dude need or what can this dude get from my team that can actually help? Is Cam in a rebuild? All right, well, let me send him a pick laden deal for one of these players. Is Cam trying to win now? Let me send him a player that's actually producing fantasy points and see if he'll send me a player that needs some development. Don't just look at your team and say, Drake ass, I'm finna flip him. You're not. You aren't going to. <laughs> like that's just that's just such a shitty, that's such a shitty way to look at trades, bro. And this is why the only trades that Ray's been able to get off is just these two, you know. QB deals that he's gotten done because he doesn't take into the other uh, uh, GM's account, like what their team is looking like and try to make a trade that's beneficial to both parties. He just wants to, what did BT say, Kurt? He just want to take their best player and not make their team better. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, this dude, I'm looking at my transactions, bro. Hey, this nigga KB tweaked, bro. He could have finessed me. He straight turned this down, bro. What was it? I tried to trade. <laughs> hey, I be fucking up, bro. This would I would have been so mad if I would have did this. I tried to trade him Tyler Boyd, Russ, <clears throat> Robbie Anderson, and um a second for Debo, and that nigga straight declined it. Hey, I would have. <laughs> hey, I I would have declined it too, and I would have regretted it like badly. Yeah, hey, let me ask you this: <clears throat> Do y'all think even with trades, get a player you want? You're like you're not gonna win every trade, right? Like, for me, paying for that rookie receiver, I was paying too much. But to get the player I want, like, sometimes to get the person you want that your team needs, you want to pay a little bit more than what he's worth. 
So like that calculator shit, like everybody using that calculator, I feel like that's hurting people more than helping them. Because every trade's not going to be even as far as points-wise goes. Your teammate just need a player more than theirs, or you just need a certain player, so you have to pay a little bit more for them, right? 100%. That's another, that's another dynasty do, Chris, actually. Especially, I'll say this about uh, Justin's team and my team and maybe Kurt's team. And this is actually, and I'm, I'm going to put Kurt on blast here again. This is actually a flaw I've seen in Kurt's game over the past couple of years. And not every trade that I've pushed Kurt to make would have been the right move because I've, I've tried to push Kurt to make some trades that wouldn't have worked out for Kurt. But I've also pushed him for, to some trades for um, um, his team that, that would have actually helped his team contend. When you have an abundance of talent in your roster, you can't be so concerned with overpaying in a trade. Stop being so concerned with losing a trade if, if it's going to make your chances of competing for a title better. Everybody's worried about, you know, the value that they're giving up in return for a player that they want that can help their team. And, and I'll, I'll transition to segue this into another dynasty do or don't. For Danny, Justin, Ray, let me be clear. I do not give a fuck about that calculator. I don't give a fuck about that calculator. So don't come in here sending me a <laughs> screenshot to validate some bullshit offer you just sent me. Danny, I don't give a fuck that Jonathan Taylor has 200-point lifetime value in Dynasty Dominator. He's not good. I don't give a shit about that calculator, bro. I do not give a fuck about it. That's hey, another you, Dynasty do or don't. You forgot one of them, bro. Elmo. Who? Elmo. Got to throw him in there, too, bro. He'd be with that calculator like, see, look, you should give me Calvin Ridley, Cam Makers, in their first for Chris Godwin. Like, you know, kiss my ass. The the, the calculator <laughs> the, the calculator is one resource of one group who put together an algorithm to determine current player market value. It literally changes every fucking week. So don't send me a trade in October to convince me that it's going to be a good trade in December. I don't give a fuck what that calculator says. I don't give a fuck if it says Kenyon Drake and three first is a fair trade for Saquon Barkley. I don't give a fuck what the calculator says. The calculator shouldn't be used to complete deals. So anyway, we probably way over time on that segment, but I thought that was really good. So in addition to the ones that we added in, Dynasty do's and don'ts, ace of spades version. Prioritize young running backs and quarterbacks with lifetime value when you're building your team. Don't give up on young players too soon in Dynasty. Do not mortgage away all of your future draft picks. Don't ruin the trade market or fuck up your relationship with trade partners by sending bullshit offers to everybody. Final one, do not look at your players through rose-colored lenses moving on real quick before we get into the last segment and put a team under the microscope week six preview hey kurt we didn't decide on the the soldier boy shootout for the week but soldier boy shootout for the week bro chiefs versus bills what do you think about that one that's gonna be so fire yeah <clears throat> i like yeah. that one yeah that's that's gonna be a shootout so chiefs versus bills fire them up Actually, I have most of the Chiefs on my roster, so I guess it's just me. And then uh, just expect a lot of a lot of points to be scored uh, in that game. I know you have Josh Allen. Uh, Jamal has Stephon Diggs. Elmo has Singletary. Rio has Moss. There should be a lot of points scored in that game. 
All right, so let's get into the week six preview. We have Cam versus Elmo this week. Um, I was picked by Kurt and Chris, but and I think I'll pick myself too, but I do want to point out Elmo has really, really good matchups this week. And he, these niggas laughed at me, but he actually has a chance to win this fucking game. I wasn't kidding, but we're going to take me um, in, in this matchup. Uh, I haven't lost a game this season and Elmo hasn't won a game this season. So this is just one of those weeks that feel kind of eerie to me. Next matchup we have is Justin versus Tabron. We all pick Justin in this matchup. Kurt versus Jamal. We all pick Kurt in this matchup. Danny versus Ray. I think we all picked Ray. Is that right? That's correct, my brother. And then Chris versus KB. Chris and Kurt pick KB. I picked Chris. And then last but not least, Rio versus BT. I think we all picked BT, but it's going to be a close game. This one could probably go either way. All right, last segment. As promised, each episode over the next 12, 11 now, we're going to break down a GM's team, where they stand, how they got there, what their goals were, look at all their transactions, waiver wire pickups, trades, etc., and see if they made the proper moves to achieve their goals. This week, the team we are going to put under a microscope is Ray. So Ray's goal this season or coming into the season was to break down some of his high-end talent for depth and draft capital. Everybody knows over the past few seasons, Ray's had a pretty bad team, but he was always a Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill hookup away from ruining somebody's fucking week. So he was in a situation where he had two really, really good players. He had a really good stack in Mahomes and Tyreek Hill but he really struggled to get production from the rest of his team. So Ray came into the season understanding that he was going to have to make something shake this year because he didn't have his first round draft pick. He had actually lost that pick uh, to, to Elmo a couple seasons ago for um, a trade debacle. So he had to give up his, his first round pick. So he was sitting here with two good players and no first round pick. So the first thing Ray did this, this off season, the first move of, of two that he's made for the entire season is he traded Patrick Mahomes to me for Baker Mayfield, a first round pick from this season. And no, I'm sorry, two first round picks from this season and one first round pick for next year. So he traded Baker, he traded Patrick Mahomes for Baker Mayfield and three first round picks. The next trade that Ray did several weeks later um, was traded a first and second round pick for Gardner Minshew after seeing, you know, how beneficial it is or how important it is to have a third quarterback and dynasty so looking at the moves that Ray's made over the course of the season and he hasn't made many and we could actually go back to the draft as well if you want to talk about any draft uh pickups that he made that were key to his team this year what do you guys want to talk about regarding Ray's team and how do you think he did in terms of you know his execution throughout the year based on what he was looking to accomplish with his team you want to take well, it Chris all right good yeah, I start with the, the first trade he did coming in. Like, it's it's super hard to trade probably one of your more your most talented players, but for three first round picks and Baker Mayfield, I feel like that put him in a position to to rebuild for the future. So I feel like that was it was a hard move, but that was a good move for Ray to make. Um, because he his 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 team he like Sanders is young, Cream Hunt's coming on, but his receivers, Fuller's decent, Tyreek Hill is good. Fuller honestly been balling out though. But uh, I feel like those picks will help the team a lot. But then that trade for for Minshew, he needed to make it 
but I feel, I feel like he overpaid it. I just I don't really like it for a bridge quarterback because next year he might not even be starting, and I just feel like he wasted that. Because um, I'm going to be honest with you, if my thinking if I was Ray was I trade and get a quarterback and I sneak into the playoffs and get bounced in the first round, that doesn't help me at all. Um, so I feel like I didn't like that move that much, even though I understand what Cam said. Like, you pay for a good quarterback, but I don't – yeah. I wouldn't have did that. I don't like that move as far. I feel like that hurt him. So I'm kind of took him a step back. Well, I, I would say though, like I mean, it. I, I get what you. I get what you mean. But at the same time, it's like I feel like he overpaid for Minshew. But since he doesn't have his first, like he might as well try to like sneak into the playoffs and make something shake. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I mean, I, I think Elmo has his first. So it's like even if he, you know. I mean, it's not like he can really say, like, well, fuck it, I'm going to lose and just, you know. Um, but but he does have, what, like, KB's first and, like, then he has two accounts first over the next couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I would say just looking at how his team has been performing, this is probably, like, the most consistent that I've seen, like, Ray's team since I've been in the league. And, like, this is probably his best chance to, like, compete and make the playoffs so I guess like the moves have helped him and I think uh going forward he should be able to do something as long as he's able to to do um something with those draft picks but if I'm being honest I don't like either of those trades that he made and I don't know if I would have made them because so I guess in theory right like he's like oh well I traded Patrick Mahomes for Baker Mayfield in three firsts and it's like on one hand since Baker Mayfield is a starting quarterback and like you know you get three firsts it's kind of like that's a no-brainer but like I mean if you look at if you look at both of those like both of those things I would rather have Patrick Mahomes than Baker Mayfield in those first because I mean picks are picks I mean they turn into players but like you know especially if I'm like Ray I'm like okay so two of those first are Cam's first. So they're going to be like 10, 11, 12, most of, more, more than likely. So like them two late, like late first. Then the one early first, like it could be something good or it could be Rashad Penny again, you know? So if it's like I got two like pick, like two, two 12 picks and then Rashad Penny and Baker Mayfield. And then the I sent away Patrick Mahomes to get that. Like, I mean, I don't know what else you can trade Patrick Mahomes for other than, other than like, you know, a lot of firsts. But I think if it was me, I would rather have Patrick Mahomes because, like we talked about earlier in the show, Patrick Mahomes just on a 10-year contract. He's going to be throwing for 4,000 yards and 30, you know, 4,000 plus yards and 30 touchdowns probably for the next 10 years. And, you know, when you get that type of production from a QB, this dude, Cam is talking about all of these championships and the one common denominator in all of those is, yeah, you know, I had Aaron Rodgers. So it's like, <laughs> you know, if you have that, that premier QB talent, especially like in the, in the, in the super flex league, I think I'd rather be on the Patrick Mahomes and that trade. And then if we talk about the Gardner Minshew trade, I mean, I feel like he could have accomplished the same thing that he was trying to accomplish with Gardner Minshew, but he could have he could have done it with less draft capital, and he could have got acute like you know if he just wanted somebody who 
may or may not have a job like this year or next year. He could have sent you a third for Nick Foles, like we saw BT do. And I think it's the same thing, pretty much. I mean, Gardner Minshew will probably play out the rest of the season. But I think the only way even having Gardner Minshew on your roster, the only way that that even makes sense is if you draft the QB with that pick that you have with KB's pick, you draft the QB that Gardner Minshew is going to be competing for his job for next year, because we know that they're probably going to draft the QB in in the draft next year. So it's like, um, you know, those two trades, I'm not too sure about, but I think if like, you know, on the bright side of this, if, if Ray is able to do something with those draft picks that he acquired in that Patrick Mahomes trade, I think, Ray is setting himself up good for the future. I think we talked to like he has like young players on his team, like Miles Sanders. I think DeAndre Swift is going to turn into something. He has the two young wide receivers for uh, Pittsburgh, you know, that, that we were talking about that will probably end up shipping Juju ass out of town. So he got some he got some stuff to look forward to on his team. I still think that even with the tra- well, because of the trades that he made or with the trades that he made, the QB spot is like a question mark for him, but that's something that he might be able to address in this upcoming draft. And I think he has his 2022 pick. So maybe, you know, if he's a mid tier team uh, next season, he'll be able to <clears throat> draft another QB. But I think running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, I think, you know, he, he's looking pretty good. Yeah. I think I, I really appreciate that. Um, that perspective, Kurt, that breakdown. I think I'm uh, I'm kind of like 50-50 in Chris's camp and your camp. I think from a, from a tactical standpoint, the situation Ray's team was in before he made that trade with Patrick Mahomes, it was impossible for Ray to move. He couldn't do anything with that team. He didn't have his own first-round pick, and he couldn't compete for a playoff spot. So it's a 100% a lost season for Ray if he doesn't make that move. It is a completely lost season. So he can't tank and get the number one overall pick because he didn't have it. And his team consisted of only two good players. So he wasn't going to be able to beat the top six teams. So on one hand, I agree with your analysis about, you know, preferring Patrick Mahomes on that deal. But I think maybe if we were talking about – Jared Goff in those three first, you would probably appreciate that trade a little bit more, right? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, if it was if it was a quarterback who I thought like, okay, they're gonna have their job for the next three or four years, and I and I know that, then like, yeah. But like Baker right. Mayfield to me, and I've said this before on previous podcasts, is like we give Baker Mayfield a lot of like a lot of like respect. But he really hasn't done anything since like his rookie seat, like you know, since since his rookie season. He's been like a below average quarterback, like for the majority of his career already. And we know they they drafted him with the first overall pick, so they're gonna like try to make them like try to prove themselves right. That's what we see a lot of times with like these GMs. They make they invest draft capital in the player and they're going to give that player an opportunity to prove that they would, that they made the correct decision. So I think he'll have opportunities based off of that, but like, you know, this dude could be, a, a, he could be a, a fucking backup for like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, we don't know. He's not like a, like a, yeah. I, I, yes. To answer your original question. Yeah. If it was somebody like Jared Goff, who I feel like is going to be a starter for a little bit longer, then I will feel more comfortable with that trade if I'm right. Right. So th- this is just, this is for, from, from a principal standpoint, 
you you don't like the trade. But I think, like I said, from a tactical standpoint, the trade made made sense for what Ray was trying to accomplish. And I think I agree more with with Chris in that aspect. And I do agree with Chris as well, talking about the Gardner Minshew trade, just saying that, you know, this dude's a bridge QB. I mean, he's he's going to be nothing more than a bridge QB. Y'all remember uh what was that dude's name? Was it Matt Flynn? Yes. Six touchdowns in Green Bay, and then Seattle went out and gave him like $40 million. Then they ended up drafting uh, Russell Wilson, and Matt Flynn never made a start. You know why? Matt Flynn, was a, he was a fucking fifth-round QB. They don't give those dudes leashes. You don't get a lot of opportunities when you're a fifth-round quarterback, and that's kind of where Gardner Minshew is. You know, he's a fifth-round QB out of Washington State. As soon as they get a rookie with a better pedigree and higher draft capital, that dude is going to be fighting for his job. So um, I do agree with Chris in that regard. And I also agree with Curtin saying like, well, you don't have your first round pick. So you kind of have to decide like whether or not you're going to lose your season or try to do your best to try to compete throughout the year. And Ray is shaping up to be, you know, a top four, top five team in the league. So wrapping this all up, putting Ray's team under a microscope. If I were to associate a letter grade with the two moves and the waiver wire acquisitions in the draft that Ray had this season, I give him like a C plus B minus. I mean, I think he's done a, I think he's done a fine job. And I think the trades that he's made have been logical trades. And even the bullshit trades that he sends, they're in the effort to make his team, you know, better. So I think Ray's done an okay job. I think he's done a way better job than fucking Justin this year. I think Justin has made like so many poor moves. It's easy to, <laughs> it's easy to say Justin gets a fucking like F with how you manage his team. But Ray still has, you know, he's got a draft. He's got a first round draft pick from this year. He's got a first round draft pick from next year. Um, he drafted well. He's got players, like you mentioned, that should continue to get better and increase in value and yeah, I think based on what he tried to accomplish coming into the season, he did a pretty decent job. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I, I don't, I don't disagree with the letter grade. I just, I don't know. I think if I'm, if I'm Ray, what I would have tried to do instead of like, I don't know, like you, you're probably the one that initiated that offer for like the Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. trade. But if I'm shipping anybody away and trying to get like draft capital, it would have been. Tyree Hill, yeah, like you send him away and you keep Mahomes because we know Mahomes is going to be there. Like Tyree Hill, mm, and do you really want uh, another, you know, uh, another one of those dudes? Like if he's like on another team, do you really want Tyree Hill? Like hell no. Nah. Yeah, he's he's a souped up Will Fuller. <laughs> so, you want to know some? You you want to know something that's going to shock the pod? Bro, this nigga, this nigga Tyreek Hill ain't even a souped up Will Fuller, bro. All all Tyreek Hill is is a healthy Will Fuller. That's all he is, bro. That's 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 a healthy Will Fuller playing with with Patrick Mahomes. That's all he is. What were you gonna say, Chris? How do you guys feel about Van Jefferson? Oh, he's he's a good player. He's a good prospect, but I mean, he's a rookie wide receiver playing behind two really good receivers. So even if he takes like Reynolds' job, you think he'd be like a, a valuable start from like week week base, like next year if he takes if he's just that third option. No, because Reynolds hasn't been relevant. You got him on your team. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's just oh, yeah, I, nah. he, yeah. Jefferson's just a weird. He's in a weird position because he's, he's talented, but he's like you wouldn't want him 
if he's the third option on that team because they don't throw the ball like the Chiefs do. Like me having no. Sammy Watkins as a fourth option is still he's still he's relevant still kind of you know, like ten points a game. No, the Rams the Rams are fourth they're fourth in the league in rushing attempts this year, so they're just not passing the ball very much. If he take Robert Woods job, I want him. If he takes that job, like Look, I, I want Cooper, that. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods just got extended. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's there, there's not really a pass for Van Jefferson, but I do like him as a prospect. Um, that's the show. That's the show. Yo. Chris, thank you for joining the podcast. We really appreciated having you on. Um, we recorded via Zoom, so I don't even know like what the, what the timing is. I'm assuming like we went over, so I apologize in advance. But as always, please tune in to the next episode. Kurt and I will be back on sometime early next week to do our week six recap. And I want to hear more about, you know, what we talked about on the last two podcasts, putting teams under a microscope. We didn't get any feedback from Justin. You know, Justin's really sensitive. So I feel like he'd be getting butthurt when we say anything about his team and he goes ghost from the chat for a little while. And then, you know, it takes him a while to come back. But I would appreciate like hearing some feedback. Uh, we got a little bit from, you know, Elmo and Danny about uh, putting a team under a microscope. And they, they really like seeing, you know, the journey of these teams and you know how the transactions and roster moves that they made stack up to like what their strategy is so i think it's a pretty good addition to the podcast so hopefully we can continue to get some insights so we can figure out how to get better anyway i'm rambling man drop the outro holla at you boys later and remember chris it's up there and it's still stuck there peace